Welcome to this edition of Thrive LGBT Plus Podcast, where common plus unity equals community. Our podcast discussions include topics important to the LGBT plus community, concerning the impact of religious stigma at large and finding freedom and healing from spiritual abuse. With that said, we also embrace joy and like to have a lot of fun, too. And now, from Orlando, Florida, here is Thrive President and host, Randy Thomas. Hello, everybody. Hi, Stephanie. Good morning, Randy. Happy <laughs> Friday. I'm remembering September 11th today, so it's a yes. bit of a somber day, but I'm it, very glad to be with you this morning. It is. And we, uh, for those of us who... Uh, pray we pray for those who are remembering their loved ones today and as well as all of us who are remembering that that terrible day so may it never happen again and um, let's have a day that we intentionally spread love and joy so thank you for bringing that up and and I am in love with your hair (laughs) thanks you know I decided Randy that 2020 was a bit crazy so I could do it too and the hair feels safe because it it grows back and the color fades so it's temporary right well you know if i'm if i'm staring intently at you while you're speaking it's not because i'm mesmerized by your hair i'm really listening to what you're saying okay (laughs) (laughs) and i know you randy so i trust that's true it is true it is true well and we have an announcement Stephanie is our newest Thrive LGBTQ plus board member. So welcome to the board. Thank you. I'm really so honored to be invited and delighted to accept the invitation. Um, You know, boards are comprised of people with different perspectives. And um, I really appreciate Thrive's um, intentionality about finding someone with some mental health background. And so it's my hope that I can you know, bring some of that clinical professional perspective to the work that Thrive is doing and um, also maybe help connect uh, some of the mental health community with the important mission of Thrive. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you doing that. And and that's one thing that 2020 was supposed to be much more intentional. And as far as starting up uh, support groups and all that good stuff and the, the virus kind of threw everything off to where like it's hard to meet people for coffee and all that kind of stuff, but we are going to be much more intentional on developing the board. We need more. We need mm-hmm. trans representation. We need uh, racial uh, equ- equity, equality within the organization. And um, as a member of the One Orlando Alliance, they've had some incredible meetings on racial justice yeah. and racial equity and all that stuff, and they've given us homework. And so we're going to be, I'm gonna uh, email that to the board probably this weekend um, to take a look over and see how we can be much, 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 much more intentional with uh, the racial element and the trans elements of what Thrive is wanting to do. So anyway, we're glad to have you on the board. And um, I mean, I love you. I've gotten to know you over the past what, <laughs> year or so, two years. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I'm so glad that you're on the board. You've you've brought so much to Dan and I's lives as a friend, and um, you have a very very uh, respected reputation around the around the area. So, thank, thank you very you. much. That's very kind. Thank <laughs> you, Randy. Glad to offer something. Yes, yes. You have more. You have a lot to offer. 
All right. Well, um, today um, you're the second guest we've had back. Um, so thank yeah. you for doing that. But we wanted to talk about, speaking of trans issues, trans issues. Um, I'm not going to quote this article because I'm afraid it could be trigger warnings, but I don't think it would be responsible if I didn't at least mention it. Mm -hmm. um, this article, and I'll bring it up on the screen just briefly. Um, okay. Let's see here. There's an article in the Daily Signal, which is put together by the Heritage Foundation. Genevieve Wood um, got it going. Genevieve Wood did all of the media training for Exodus International. So I've sat under her teachings as far as how to do media interviews many times. So I know how they think. I know what groups they're a part of. And, um, and the purpose of this article, when you read the title, uh, I don't even feel right reading the title, <laughs> but they, but they're, they're, they, they have an article called "Transitioning Procedures Don't Help Mental Health Largest Data Set Shows," and if you go down there, you see a very nice man, uh, Ryan Anderson. He has a big smile on his face, mm -hmm. um, but don't let that fool you. This whole article is only about stigmatizing people or stigmatizing trans people in particular, and. Um, I know that whenever I was working with uh, people in this group and uh, the meetings that we all went to, they were intentional to bring up and say the exact words, we need to stigmatize the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And they did that for years with gay men talking about our sex lives as, as if we don't know how to have sex properly or health in a healthy way did that for years well that started failing and they were looking for the next group within the lgbtq community to stigmatize and try to make everybody go ooh, and which is so reprehensible and evil mm -hmm. but they they have targeted um the trans community and they know that the trans community today is is the weakest as far as uh cultural um, abuse against them. They know that the culture at large is ignorant. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but they, they're ignorant about the subjects that involve trans lives. And so they want to control the narrative and define trans people for other people in a stigmatizing way. And so when I saw this article uh, being passed around ex-gay circles mm -hmm. as authoritative, as proof of how things don't work and all this other stuff. I just, I couldn't handle it. I was like, you know what, this has got to stop. And I know that Thrive is what it is. And um, we're not the authoritative voice on a whole lot of things, but I am an authoritative voice in the ex-gay world because I was a part of it for <laughs> over two decades. <laughs> right. And I know that this isn't about the science. This is about hurting trans people. And so I asked Stephanie, um, who is a licensed therapist with Orange Counseling here in the area, and uh, to kind of speak to uh, a little bit about this study and um, what she, a summary of her, her findings about that, and also some suggestions on um, some proper responses to it. But I asked her to uh, kind of speak to this. Um, so that's, thank you for doing that, Stephanie. And before we get into that, there is a lawnmower right outside the window. Can you hear it? <laughs> I can't hear it, Randy, but that sounds like 
like the story of when I'm sitting down with the client and the lawn crew decides <laughs> to come right outside my house. I'm like, 2020, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too uh, funny. All right. We Ooh. were so serious. Just let like 10 seconds ago. So I let's get back to that. Um, and now my chihuahua wants me to hold him. Um, well, I can certainly chat for a little bit in response yeah. to your introduction. I want to say, first of all, I'm not here to disparage anybody. I actually don't know Dr. Anderson personally. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Ryan T. Anderson is the writer of this particular um, article. And what he's writing um, with what you're showing on the screen is actually in response to a study that was released by the American Psychiatric Association about a year ago in October of 2019. That particular study was sort of like a meta-analysis, so it wasn't new research all on its own. Um, it's really looking at previously gathered data and surveys and um, have it, taking a meta-analysis look at it. So that's just some context around the, the this particular research article itself. Mm -hmm. um, there's certainly other a couple of other points that um, I think are important to consider when just a regular person is looking at something like this or trying to make meaning out of um, scientific articles that maybe have language that feels challenging. Um, I want to encourage people not to take things at face value. What I found when I was reading Dr. Ar uh, Anderson's article here was that there were some things that were just said as factual that I said, I actually don't believe that that's true. So what I want to encourage for Thrive listeners and, and to really everybody is do a little more research. Be a, an informed consumer of what you're reading about online. Go deeper than the headlines. Um, Find out additional original source information in addition to the opinion or perspective pieces that you're reading from certain, um, perhaps politically motivated, I don't know, politically motivated, but um, certain institutions are really invested in having there be a certain outcome to research. So having a conclusion before we know what the results of the study are saying is not good science. Right, right. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, with, with um, you had done some other reading about this, were there other articles and writers that you would suggest who responded uh, really well, in your opinion, to this article? Yes. So um, if you give me just a second, I printed out some things and they came out all askew on my, um, my printer here. No worries. One of the... Um, more notable writings that Dr. Anderson has written is a book called When Harry Became Sally. And there was a really, it's hard to say one person in particular who wrote in response to that. There were many. Mm -hmm. um, the response was from the mental health community was pretty swift in terms of, of what Dr. Anderson was saying. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Yeah, I've met Dr. Anderson. Um, Actually, I don't know if I've met him, but I know we had conversations um, over email and stuff, and he's always been very nice. Um, mm -hmm. And when I was talking about those, these people at those organizations, that type of thing, they usually are. Genevieve was very kind, um, but it's a smiley, happy stigma. You know, it's underlying all, underneath it all. They may actually be, in my opinion, just for me, uh, more dangerous 
than the people out there preaching hellfire and brimstone because they're delivering it, it delivering the the toxic theology and the cultural stigma with smiles and pats on the back and so yeah. that's kind of that's kind of and i know this because i i just know them um and that's kind of where the emotion behind what i said earlier comes from that said we do need professional responses so um I just, can certainly speak to, you know, part of what's going on in, in the article is there's, um, if I can read one of the opening lines, um, Randy, from what you showed up on the screen, I mean, I'm going to pull down to this. Um, he makes a conclusion here and it says, so the bottom line, the largest data set on sex reassignment procedures, both hormonal and surgical, reveals that such procedures do not bring the prom promised mental health benefits. So, you know, that statement one might look at and just say, oh, wow, this is this data set says all the things that good things were promised aren't happening. That's not necessarily true. So let's go a little bit deeper than first glance here. Um, I think to do that, Randy, we need to talk a little bit about some clinical mental health things like gender dysphoria and mood disorders. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's okay, I'd like to take a, a short moment to do some education on that piece, if I might. Here is the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the steering wheel. Go for it. <laughs> so, Contrary to popular belief, Randy, um, there's actually a great amount of research and data most of it fairly recent, but also some of it going back to the early 1900s, um, documenting that people have experienced gender dysphoria or distress around gender for, for many, many years. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health, it's commonly called WPATH. This is an international body. Uh, it's interdisciplinary, comprised of physicians, social workers, psychiatrists, medical researchers. And they um, published something called the Standards of Care. And these have been around for multiple decades. And they give very specific um, criteria for how surgeons, medical providers, those who write prescriptions for hormone therapy, how they are to assess, um, treat, interact with their transgender patients. So this is not something that's new age. This is something that's very grounded um, in centuries of medical practice, mm -hmm. right? So that's the first thing to say, the characterization of individuals supporting transgender people in their medical transition uh, as you know, not being based in sound policy is, is patently false. Okay. Very good, very good uh, analysis there. <laughs> this reminds me, Randy, of when you talk about sporting things and <laughs> you say things like, I sports. Very good analysis I there. <laughs> I like the sports balls. <laughs> no, that is very good analysis and it makes sense to people like me. <laughs> so I really appreciate you doing that. And um, I mean, uh, is, are there other um, issues about the study that you wanted to talk about, like how it was, or um, his analysis about how uh, he went about it, or uh, what you 
could take away from his approach to actually reading the study? I know you've you've kind of hit on that, but is there anything else you wanted to share about this specific situation? Because I kind of want to move into the family dynamics sure. um, that that this is trying to influence and those types of things. So is there anything else you would like to share about his approach to the study? Yeah, I think it's interesting um, that this was published in something called the Daily Signal. And so it it's, tends to be a, a, a paper that leans towards certain kinds of views. Um, I read a section just a little bit ago that I, I, I questioned the basic premise. And the part right after that, um, Anderson's article says, individuals diagnosed with gender incongruence who had received gender affirming surgery were more likely to be treated for anxiety disorders compared with individuals diagnosed with gender incongruence who had not received gender affirming surgery. So first of all, I'd have to look up and see and, and do some data comparison to see if that's factually correct um, and, and where that came from. Um, he, Anderson writes in this article that there was a correction made to an original study that was published by the American Psychiatric Association. And he's criticizing the fact that they made the correction. Um, from my perspective, Randy, I would argue that that's actually a sign that that's, um, that's, good, that's good policy, that's good trust. To me, that means scientific research is working. Um, we don't set out to do research with a specific outcome in mind. And when we find data that indicates we may have been incorrect in something, we offer a correction, right? Um, in particular here, I wanna differentiate when, when we're talking about the language of gender confirmation, that's not just surgery. That's a blanket term to describe a lot. So sex reassignment surgery or SRS, by the way, a term which is not used anymore, um, is only one way for someone to experience gender confirmation, right? So um, social presentation, dressing as somebody, uh, dressing as the gender you are is, is one way. Um, certainly hormone replacement therapy treatment is one, another aspect of gender confirmation. And certainly surgical procedures too. Um, top, top surgery or bottom surgery as they're commonly called. Um, the truth is, is that it takes years and years and years before someone, a transgender individual, um, has surgery. I have met very few people who have um, come out about their identity and fully transitioned medically, socially, uh, in less than five years. I mean, we're talking a long span of time. So this notion, Randy, that young folks or even older folks are, um, you know, making this really spontaneous decision that I want to be the opposite sex right. um, and that there's a, a, a field of us who are just saying, okay, and, you know, giving folks whatever they want without doing proper diagnosis, evaluation, screening, ongoing assessment. That just doesn't happen. Right. Uh, I have, I have uh, on occasion not written a hormone replacement therapy letter for a client because they didn't meet criteria or because other mental health issues that the client was experiencing were not controlled. That could be trauma. That could be something totally unrelated to being a transgender. Right. And, and so that's good medical practice. 
we don't want to move forward on treating things until we have a good sense of what's going on for that person. Right. That is a very good point. I um, I can't remember exactly what the parents said in the Porsches in Daniel Karslake's documentary, but it was along those lines of people just assumed that they weren't thinking things through. And that's that's a very condescending approach to the issue as far as what I've seen in the past, where they just assume that people aren't thinking this through, that they don't understand the consequences, that they don't, you know, that this is some sort, just some sort of uh, projection that they're trying to, to fulfill. Yeah. And there's so many steps. And this is a person's life. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that they're doing this in the most healthy way possible and for the right reasons. And so I'm so glad that you brought that up. That, yeah. that underlying assumption that this is just a, a whim or a stage um, is is not based in reality at all. Um, and the other interesting thing, Randy, I think the folks who are listening to this podcast will understand, um, we do something in counseling called differential diagnosis. That means if I'm meeting with the client and I'm seeing certain symptom presentation in front of me, um, before I really quick make a judgment or a diagnosis, I want to engage in an ongoing process of ruling other possible diagnoses out, right? Right. Um, so I might be meeting with a client who says, I think I have bipolar disorder. I feel really happy one day and really sad the next. And, and through talking, we can maybe get to the conclusion, well, it sounds like you're having a expected normal responses to the kind of situational you know, stressors you're experiencing. So I actually don't think it's bipolar disorder, right? Or if someone says, I'm experiencing jittery hands, I must have generalized anxiety. We have to remember that one symptom can be an indicator of maybe 20 possible disorders, right? right. So somebody who's experiencing gender dysphoria maybe experiences um, low mood, maybe experiences, um, you know, insomnia. So those could look like symptoms of depression. Those are also symptoms of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen as someone who works extensively with transgender clients and with medical professionals who work with them is that once there's treatment for the underlying dysphoria, there is a lot of symptom distress that goes down, but others remain, right? So someone can have clinical depression or major depressive disorder and also have something else going on, right? Also have post-traumatic stress disorder. So gender dysphoria, and depression are not mutually exclusive. Right. You know, it, it's it's more complicated than this. Mm -hmm. uh, my sense from reading the article, Randy, was the the assumption that you won't do much more research and you'll just kind of take this at very um, simple face value. There's more to it. Right. Right. And unfortunately, um, that's a lot of what happens with people who will read that article. Um, that who will actually, oh, I can't wait. You know, they want to read this because they think it's going to be the only trustworthy answer. Um, and that was when my alarm bells went off when I started seeing this, not only on the most hardcore religious sites and things, but going, but spreading throughout the whole ex-gay mm -hmm. movement that I'm aware of. And so my heart was knowing 
that there's somebody out there struggling with their, who they truly are as a trans person who either found this article on their own or um, a family member passed it on or a religious leader passed it on to someone in their congregation. What would you say to the person who, who is trans, who was, was given this link by a family member or a, a religious leader, or they stumbled into it themselves and are now despairing? Um, yeah. What would you say to that person? My first approach would be to certainly not attack the person, loved one, family member, religious leader who shared this article with that person. Um, I would just kindly say, you know, I think there are uh, other perspectives out there that are available. I would encourage you to, to read all of them. Um, I would also point out some things that are basic facts that we know. So Ryan Anderson, there's another um, individual with the last name McHugh. People who write articles like this, they he's in the minority. They're in the minority, right? So when we talk about the 95% of researchers who agree that global warming is real and climate change is real, we tend to really uh, be a little bit more critical of the 5% who say this isn't true. So I would say that the research, and I'm air quoting that, um, that Dr. Anderson, McHugh are finding, um, this is in the 5% that is completely out of line with the rest of the scientific community. Um, and we just need to take that into consideration. So in addition, if a trans person is reading this kind of stuff, um, I'm really concerned about their shame response and, and what's going on inside them, the kind of emotional damage, not just one article, but it's reading things like this over and over. Right. Um, and, and I would say there's hope. There are mm -hmm. absolutely people like you out there who I know personally, who Randy knows personally, who are transgender, who are living happy lives, meaningful lives, working professionals, and most of them, you would not know they're transgender because they are walking past you, they have transitioned, and that's the least interesting thing about their lives. So you are okay, you are fine. Um, look further than this article, you know, there's a lot of help out there to support you. Absolutely. Thank you. And what are some you know, either local resources or national resources for uh, trans people that you would recommend? Locally, as an Orlando native, I'm, I'm quite proud to be um, a supporter of the Zebra Coalition. That's an organization that focuses specifically on at-risk LGBTQ youth, and that's ages 13 to 24. Um, we have an umbrella organization, Randy, as you know, in Orlando called the One Orlando Alliance, and they really kind of bring together the leadership of all the local LGBTQ groups here in Central Florida. Nationally, um, for trans folks, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of good websites. With regard to this issue, I would recommend that people um, learn a little bit about WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health that I mentioned before. Um, you can go to WPATH.org. They have a free downloadable PDF called the Standards of Care. And for people who want to learn more, um, it publicly shares transparently the criteria that are used by surgeons, by everybody. And I think it can answer a lot of the misconceptions. 
Um, my other two favorite places, Randy, that speak about transgender issues from a medical research, mental health perspective. Um, one is called the Fenway Center, uh, excuse me, the Fenway Institute. There's a National Institute for LGBTQ Health Research. It's in partnership with Harvard University. Um, there's a physician named Dr. Harvey Macadon, himself a gay uh, physician, a Harvard alum who um, started the Fenway Institute. And he's trying, their folks are trying to gather data. They have educational um, workshops and programs for medical professionals who want to receive training, free training for family members who are looking for ways to be more supportive of loved ones. Um, so I highly encourage checking that out. And then last is the University of California at San Francisco has um, something called the Center for Excellence of Transgender Health. They're a very well-renowned um, group of folks who have published articles answering frequently asked questions and really accessible. So people without that clinical background can you know, understand what's, what's being talked about. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Are there any other resources? Um, my goodness, the Trevor Project is certainly one uh, for folks who are experiencing mental health crisis or feeling not safe or just really want someone to talk to. It's Suicide Hotline or Crisis Hotline 24-7 for LGBTQ individuals. Um, certainly want to lift that one up. Um, I'm sure there's so many more that I'm missing, Randy. That's Are there funny. any that you can think of? Now, you, you mentioned the ones that I was thinking of, um, Love Zebra Coalition and Trevor Project, and, and I look forward to checking out those other uh, resources mm -hmm. you mentioned. And, you know, we're going to re we're recording this today and it'll go live next Wednesday. Uh, that kind of uh, that's going to be the flow. So um, okay. maybe we can pull together a list of links and I'll put those. I would be happy to do that, Randy. The other thing um, we could maybe find a way to do is um, I made a commitment to continue educating myself, you know, as new research comes about. Things are changing so fast. Yeah. Um, so I have maintained and put together uh, a Google Drive, and anytime I read a new peer-reviewed research article related to the topic, um, I download it and put on that drive. And so when I work with new clients and families in my practice, that's one of the things I share with them at that first visit. Um, some of the articles are really dry and boring, so I joke that if you have insomnia, this is an excellent remedy. Um, but we can certainly make that accessible to the Thrive viewers so they can some, read some more on their own if they'd like. That's very kind. Yes, that would be amazing. I appreciate you offering that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what we wanted to cover today. Um, I do want to say again that, um, that Thrive has not had, in my opinion, an adequate response to the trans issues or trans people uh, to date. And so we're going to be working on that. So if you're watching this video and you have suggestions on how to help us be better at serving the trans uh, community, I would love to hear that. And if you feel safe enough, just leave them in the comments under this video. Or if you want to private message me through the Thrive page or through my Facebook profile, you can do that as well, or email me at randy at thrive.lgbt. Um, because I'm, I'm serious, uh, I've got it in my head, we're going to, our main focus for the rest of this year 
and probably 2021 is making sure that Thrive represents or is serving, I should say, our entire mm -hmm. community. And it's under trans issues are underrepresented um, and racial issues are underrepresented. So we need to get that. We need to, we need to, I don't want to use the word repent, but it's along those lines. We need to be much more intentional uh, to cover um, the entire community instead of just, you know, going with the flow. The flow has not served us well and it's benefited people like myself um, inordinately. And so we need to be much more intentional to use the platform that we've been given to serve uh, in the correct way, uh, comprehensively. So that's going to be a goal for the rest of this year and next year. And Stephanie, I'm so glad you're on the board. <laughs> I'm so glad to be on the board with you, Randy. It's a delight. I, I wanted to say real quick as we wrap up, you know, one of the um, things I chuckled at in the article that we were discussing this morning is um, Dr. Anderson actually went to a Quaker boarding school, a Quaker school yeah. um, for his high school studies uh, in part of the Baltimore yearly meeting. And uh, I myself am a Quaker. I have Quaker ancestry going back to um, the late 1600s and, and coming to the United States and so forth. Um, one of the fundamental things that Quakers do as a practice is to be open and expand conversations and to invite the voices of everybody. Um, there is inherent worth and dignity in every person. Probably my, one of my main concerns with Dr. Anderson's article, he didn't talk to any transgender people. He didn't interview any doctors who work with transgender people. He didn't talk to people who have transitioned and are living happy, healthy lives. So um, my invitation is for those of us who do work in the field and who do see those things, we need to step up. Um, I hear you giving a call to your own organization, Thrive, to say we can do better in certain areas, Randy mental health professionals, researchers, we need to really step up and counter when we see things out there that are not fully representative of the people they claim to be helping. You know, we need to push back on that a little bit. Absolutely. And you did so great. You did that so great today, um, professionally and kind and um, with balance. And I really, really, really appreciate you. Thank you for, for sharing that today. Thank you, Randy. Good to see you. You too. All right. Now, before, uh, I, I, as much as I don't want to take you out the screen because that hair is so pretty, um, <laughs> we're going to say goodbye and I've got an announcement for everybody. So have a great day. Bye. All right, so let me pull up uh, this uh, exciting announcement from the uh, For They Know Not What They Do page, just a second. Um, Daniel Karslake's film, you can now pre-order it on iTunes and Prime Video. Um, let me, forgive me, I should have had this pulled up, but um, let's see here, or maybe. No, not what they do. All right. We're almost there, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, there we go. So let's put this on the screen. Oh, you can barely see that. Let me blow that up. But anyway, um, you can pre-order his, his uh, documentary. Um, 
uh, now. Uh, it says you can officially pre-order for They Know Not What They Do on iTunes now, and it will be available to rent or to purchase on Tuesday, September 15th. Yay, that's next week. Um, the same day that the DVD is released. So um, it's very exciting. Uh, and if you go to the For They Know Not, Facebook has changed their format, and I'm still trying to figure it out, and I don't know if I'm happy about it, but <laughs> what am I going to do? So the For They Know Not What They Do page on Facebook, there's a, there's a post there uh, to where you can click through and, well, I guess it's not a link, but if you go to iTunes or Prime and look up For They Know Not What They Do, Daniel Carslake is the director. He's also on the board for Thrive. We've got a great board. Um, uh, you can pre-order and um, you can start renting it next Tuesday. It is a powerful documentary and you can enjoy it from, or you can watch it and learn from it and enjoy part the, the, the joyful parts of it um, by renting it next week. So um, that is, uh, Thrive is a part of that, of course, because Daniel's on the board and um, I play a, a role in one of the stories, the Robertson stories. It's a heartbreaking story. Um, but they also have uh, Sarah McBride and her family in there trans, uh, talking about her uh, transitioning uh, to who she is and the Porches and their uh, lovely son and his uh, transitioning journey, as well as uh, Vico Baez, who is a Pulse survivor and his coming out story and surviving and all that. It's just an amazing documentary. I can't watch it without crying every time through the whole thing. So um, go check out for They Know Not What They Do's Facebook page and uh, we'll uh, and pre-order or rent next, start renting next Tuesday. Okay. And uh, thank you so much for watching today. And uh, if you have any comments or feedback about the topic today um, concerning trans issues, trans health, trans mental health, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback in the comments below or private message us and uh, we'll get that taken care of or we'll uh, respond to you. So anyway, love y'all and you have a wonderful uh, a wonderful day. Oh, and um, hold on a second. <laughs> you have a good day. And as we remember 9-11, as we mentioned right off the bat, um, go ahead and be intentional to spread the love and, and uh, be intentional to be kind to, to people today. And again, my prayers are for those um, who are remembering that terrible day so many years ago, 19 years ago. It's as fresh today as it was then. What a horrible time. But anyway, we're going to replace that with intentional love and kindness today. So love you all. Have a great day. The entire team here at Thrive LGBT Plus would like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to us at iTunes, Spotify, and all the major podcast channels. You can also connect with us at most social media platforms with the handle at ThriveLGBT or visit our website at www.thrive.lgbt. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> that was an accident.